0: I was driving from St. George um, this way along 99, and there was a sign on someone's lawn remembering the children that have been buried in Kamloops 215. And I see the flags everywhere flying at half mast. And it was at that moment that I felt the need to look into this subject with a greater understanding than I had. From the news, I think that may be the same story for much of the country. Many feel that It shouldn't have taken this to wake up the nation to what has gone on, but if that wasn't enough, this last week, another over 600 unmarked graves discovered. Those were marked graves until the gravestones were removed by the Roman church in the 60s or 70s. These things that have gone on are bringing God's name into disrepute. And you can feel the anger when you listen to the news, when you read the news, when you watch the news. I work with a gentleman um, who lives on the Six Nations Reserve just outside of town. He had his own stories. This, when you step back and see that these sorts of things have been done and committed in God's name by a system and systems that we do well to speak against, in my honest opinion. The residential schools and the crimes of the Roman Church, from the outset, it is not only the Roman Church. It is also that the school in town here was run by the Anglican Church. It is not only the Roman Church that was involved in the schools or in the atrocities but the most, so far, the most notorious of schools and the graves that have been found have all been ran by the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church actually was, uh, ran over two-thirds of the residential schools in Canada. But even, as we'll see, even the Mennonites ran residential schools. And other faiths as well. And we will discuss that um, later on. We just read together in opening Matthew chapter uh, 5. When we step back and we look at what scripture says the actions that those that follow Christ should, uh, should strive for. There is no fault in the Bible. There is no fault in the Bible. God's Word is perfect. But as it is written in Jeremiah, the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? The depravity of man is so severe, but the Word of God is so pure. When the Lord Jesus Christ came, and in fact, all through time, those that have followed the God of Israel had a simple faith if they followed their scriptures. And when we come to the New Testament, what is given, the message given, is a simple faith. And it was for a people that were detached from the here and now. They waited, the followers of Christ waited for a kingdom on earth, but a kingdom full of heavenly principles the believers and the followers of Christ held in the highest regard the Word of God as the truth and sole authority. These believers were taught about the necessity of the reformation of character, which we just read in Matthew 5, the Beatitudes as they are known. If we come to chapter 23... Verse 5, talking about the scribes and the Pharisees, which it actually ended, the section we read in Matthew 5 ended, about unless your righteousness be greater than that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Well, here in chapter 23 is the woes that are given by Christ, the woes against the scribes and the Pharisees. Verse 5, their works they do to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the uppermost rooms at the feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets. They love to be called rabbi, rabbi or teacher, teacher. He says, Christ says, but be ye not called rabbi for one is your master, even Christ. And ye are all brethren. Call no man your father upon the earth. For one is your Father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be a servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall be humble himself shall be exalted. No, the followers of Christ were called away from extravagance. They're called away from an outward show, which is also in verse 27 and 28. They're opposed to titles that we just read, like rabbi and master and father. And in fact, the believers of Christ and the followers of the apostles would struggle against the principalities and powers of this world, the rulership of this world, when they opposed God's ways. Ephesians 6 and verse 12. If we step back, these believers would be persecuted They would be humble. They would be men of incredible character. Men and women of incredible character. Not perfect, but striving to be so. Following the Word of God and elevating it in their hearts and minds above everything else. This was the character of the first century believers. But, There's always a but when you deal with human nature. Paul writes to the Galatians in chapter 1 and verse 6, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ, into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ." There is a great cloud that comes over the New Testament writings. There was an expectation, and more than just an expectation, a promise and a prophecy, that this simple faith, waiting those waiting for the kingdom of God to come, for Jesus Christ to return, that simple message, the gospel, the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, would be perverted. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day will not come except there come a falling away first, that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you I told you these things? And now ye know what withholdeth That he that might be revealed in his time for the mystery of iniquity or the mystery of lawlessness doth already work. It's already happening, says the Apostle. Only he that now restraineth, uh, restraineth now until he be taken out of the way. And then that wicked one or the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceit of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. There was going to be this falling away. It's not, when we look at this, it's a system that is coming out of the first century congregations and it was going to be headed by one that would sit as if he was God himself this system as we go through the New Testament writings much we can compile a list of characteristics of this system and of the, of the character of those that would fall away Turn now to 1 Timothy, chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul writes again to Timothy, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits or teachings, as the word means, and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them that believe and know the truth. This would be the falling away. It's almost bizarre how direct this is. This falling away from the faith would include the forbidding to marry and the abstaining from meat. There are few systems on this earth that could date themselves even close to the apostles' time. It was a system that was already at work in the days of Paul that would develop. It was at work in the ecclesias. And as you come to the seven letters to seven ecclesias in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, it's developed further and it continues to develop but we would look for a system that then goes back to that time but forbids to marry and abstains from meat it's incredible further warnings would come from peter in second peter 2 verse 1 and 2 john would have warnings also in first john chapter 4 and you'd see the spirit coming out in the in the third letter of john verse 9 and 10 to Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them. There were those that loved the upper seats, those that loved the positions of leadership. And in Paul's last words on record that we have in Second Timothy, the majority had already turned away from him. Incredible. In time and in history we can see the system would develop. The movement that removed themselves from those simple ecclesias, those simple congregations at the beginning, would finally join themselves with Constantine and a false Christianity. One that would take up arms and go to war. One that would have the upper seats ones that would join with paganism and, 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 and push forward these lies of visions that Constantine claimed, this simple faith of the New Testament would never join in with pagan Rome. It is completely at odds. This is as oil and water as you can get. The Ecclesia would or that first century congregation would apostatize to the point that instead of being the chaste virgin bride of Christ as it's seen in the New Testament, they would actually join with the apostasy, with pagan Rome. They compromised truth until it was gone. And those that would over the centuries not conform would pay a heavy price, as was expected also from the New Testament records as Christ himself would warn, that even he himself, was his life was taken at the hands of Rome, and the church that would join with Rome would take many, many, many lives of believers through, the, through history. Revelation is full of the cries of these believers. And it would no longer be a simple faith. And in fact, the image and superscription of the popes would now be inscribed on coins. Quite incredible, isn't it? The riches of this system are unsurpassed and in fact largely unknown today. It is the only system that sits in the United Nations It is an incredible, incredible system that has developed from a first-century simple faith. And the desire for truth? In a book called The French and Indian War by Alfred Cave, he writes, Jesuit missionaries learned Indian languages and accepted Indian ways to the point of conforming to them, especially when living among them. According to Jerome Lament, a missionary must first have penetrated their thoughts, adapted himself to their manner of living, and when necessary, been a barbarian with them. To gain the Indians' confidence, the Jesuits drew parallels between Catholicism and Indian practices, making connections to the mystical dimension and symbolism of Catholicism, pictures, bells, incense, and candlelight, giving out religious medals as amulets, and promoting the benefits the benefits of the cult of relics in South America most of South America is now Roman Catholic quite an incredible feat really while it was done with truth as an extreme second thought the lady of Guadalupe is an example of the complicated negotiation between indigenous belief and colonial conversion. This place served as a pilgrimage destination for centuries before the Spanish arrived, and it remains so centuries later. The Spanish destroyed a shrine to the Aztec mother goddess and replaced it with a shrine to the mother of Jesus. In images, she is portrayed in a European style, but with dark skin. She stands on a moon, wreathed by the sun, important elements in the Aztec religion. Indigenous converts adopted the Lady of Guadalupe as their protector, and some still call her Tontanazin. They might have been praying to a different figure, but they were praying for the same reasons and at the same site as their ancestors. And three centuries later, Guadalupe remained a symbol of Mexican unity. So in, uh, in some parts the Catholic faith was simply melded with that of the indigenous populations to great success. Here in the north things were not quite the same although that last um, slide was uh, the Jesuit missionaries that was in the north here. But Canada in its in the beginning when the Puritans came over, they had actually good relations with the native populations. They were never ses- very successful at converting because they did not compromise in their beliefs, right, wrong or indifferent. But I actually have um, a leaf from a Bible that was printed, back in the 1600s, 1700s, that was done with English on one side and a native tongue on the other. And I actually meant to uh, put a slide of it. Translating the Bible into, into another language is how could anybody be opposed to such work, especially when we understand the great hope that lies in Scripture. But as Canada developed, and as as the British have done elsewhere, um, to the Welsh, they were unable to speak. They were not allowed to speak their native tongue. Here it was decided that the Indian needed to be removed from the Indian. And so the purpose of residential schools was simply to assimilate Indians' as they were called, into society. The Canadian government operated Indian residential schools in partnership, as we mentioned, with the Anglican Catholic Methodist Presbyterian churches, among others. The Canadian government was financially responsible for the Indian residential schools. And Indian residential schools operated in all Canadian provinces and territories except Prince Edward Island, New Brunswick, and Newfoundland, which of course was not a province until just uh, in the last hundred years. Indian residential schools operated between the 1870s right up until the 1990s, the last closed in 1996. Children as young as ages 4 through 16 attended residential school. It's estimated that over 150,000 Indian, Inuit, and Métis children attended uh, residential schools. In Ontario, that's just a list of the schools that were here. There were, I didn't actually put in the number of schools across Canada, but there were many. I have this in later in my class, but I'll mention it now. When we come to the Scripture, there is no record of forced conversion. God has never asked for forced conversion. God has never asked that children be separated from their parents in order that they be um taught, frankly, anything. When any church with any belief under the name of God associates itself with such work, it only brings God's name into disrepute. I think there is a huge lesson, even for us, that we stay very closely aligned with what God has asked of us, not outside of that. There are many things that could be sold to us as good, but it is so important that what we do, especially, especially in the name of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, be what we have asked. Removing a population and forcing them to speak a language such as English, has no place from Scripture. And this is what was done. And the most horrific acts are then um, committed in the name of Christ, albeit they teach a false Christ, but still in His name. The most notorious school almost across the board From anything I've seen and read, was one in northern uh, Ontario. St. Anne's. The things that were committed in this school and the culture that was developed in this school, there are not words for it. There was an OPP investigation done which is the Ontario Provincial Police. And this is from CBC News reporting on that uh, investigation, which was held closed and and hidden for years, but they gained access to it. The investigation began on November the 9th, 1992, after Fort Albany First Nation Chief Edmund Matawabing Presented evidence to police following a healing conference attended by St. Anne's survivors. Over the next six years, the OPP would interview 700 victims and witnesses and gather 900 statements about assaults, sexual assaults, suspicious deaths, and a multitude of abuses alleged to have occurred at the school between 1941 and 1972. All of the survivors, it said, interviewed by the OPP during the investigation described suffering or witnessed multiple abuses, physical, sexual, and psychological. All of them. Not a single child went through that school that did not witness abuse. The level of abuse that was at this school and done in the name of somehow God is so horrific, I... It's one of those things where you sometimes feel you may be read too much. But yet at the same time, I feel that in order to understand it, some is worth uh, acknowledging. At one point in the transcript, she described a straitjacket. They used straitjackets on the children in the school. They used an electric chair at the school. This gentleman says it looked like an ordinary chair, except there were wires leading to a crank box. Then when the first few boys were given electric shock, they winced and I could see them jerk as they cranked that handle. And then I saw what was happening to the kids. They seemed to be hurt here mostly, as he says across his chest, through their body. And then they kind of slumped after they let go, after they stopped Doing it. St. Anne's developed a culture of abuse top down. Even amongst children in such an atmosphere, they abused each other. It is beyond horrific, the things that happened there. This was in a residential school in Saskatchewan where Fred Gordon. Uh, survived. The residential school survivor told CTV News Channel on Monday that he attended the Lebre Indian Industrial Residential School from 1944 to 1951. Gordon said he was kidnapped when he was nine years old and taken to the school. One day my parents were out picking berries and I was playing with two other kids in the front yard of the house when an RCMP, a priest and two nuns came and grabbed me out of the yard and threw me in a wagon. Gordon said in an interview from Duck Lake, Saskatchewan. What this man endured over the next seven years would cost him blindness in one eye and deafness in one ear. At night, he would try and run away from the school for the acts that were committed. There was a seminary across the lake and the priests would come across at night. In the OPP report, it was said This shouldn't have happened to us. They're God's workers. They were to look after us. So, so far from what actually happened. Canada and many of the churches involved have apologized for their um, part in this mess and in these acts of horrific acts. The Roman Catholic Church, however, will not yet apologize. Justice demands the Pope apologize for the church's role in residential schools. For the Catholic Church, sorry seems to be the hardest word. What? What is this? They will let a bishop... Apologize, they will let a priest apologize. Apology from the top? The graves that have been discovered in the last few weeks may, may bring an apology. So far, it has not been forthcoming. What system is this? No priest
1: guilty of even one act of sexual abuse of a minor will function in any ecclesial ministry or any capacity in our diocese.
2: The church hierarchy in Philadelphia tried to get out in front of any scandal. Revealing its secret archives identified 35 abusive priests in the archdiocese.
1: I said, look, we're going to do a grand jury investigation of abuse in the church and we can do it two ways. The best thing for the church to do is say, here are all our secret archives. We only have 35 cases. That's all we have. Here are all of our records. Go through them. And that'll be an end to it. Or you can resist us and, you know, we'll, we'll just take it as it goes. So they said, well, we're not going to give it to you.
2: When we come back, the DA goes after the cardinal.
1: We were the first ever to haul the cardinal to, in front of a grand jury.
2: While in Canada, victims are left to fight the church power on their own.
1: The church knew about it. They let other children being abused. No words for that. I have no words for that.
2: Lynn Abraham's grand jury investigation, spanning five years, would eventually reveal 125 cases of abusive priests.
1: We saw records signed by the cardinal himself, transferring this priest, and we saw records about allegations of priest sex abuse. It was all in their records, they had great archives. Now, the fact that they lied to us about the existence of these archives, even though we had court-ordered subpoenas, and they swore they had turned over everything, I mean, they lie from the minute you can say hello.
2: Abraham wanted to go after the leadership of the church, or as she saw them, their enablers.
1: Our investigation named names for the first time ever and accused Cardinal Bevilacqua, whom we brought in under subpoena to testify in front of the grand jury. First time that has ever happened, I think, in the country.
2: Cardinal Bevilacqua died before he faced any criminal charges.
0: So here's what we know, in a report released just moments ago, the late Cardinal Anthony Bevilacqua is named as an abuser.
2: Years after his death, victims came forward to allege he didn't just cover up abusers, He was an abuser.
0: It is this system that again and again has the same story. It is beyond one's comprehension. In Canada here, it's the story of Mount Cashel. Ireland has its own story. France has its own story. Australia has its own story. Across the globe, the stories are similar, and yet all horrific. What does an apology mean anyway if there's no change of ways? In this documentary, a fifth estate documentary done here in Canada, it's a story of Abusive priests that are just moved on. The moment there's a complaint, the priest is moved. And what does God think of these things? Well, it's clear now in Canada what some of our indigenous populations are thinking about the Roman Church. Two more churches, along with another two earlier, two more this week, were burned to the ground on indigenous land. St. Anne's itself, the most notorious of the schools, was burnt down to the ground some years ago. Although I'm not entirely sure that it's not suspicious myself, when such an institution is burnt to the ground, the memory of it will fade. But when we turn to Revelation chapter 18, this system is fully developed. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great, is fallen, is fallen and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drank of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people that ye be not partaker of her sins, that ye receive not her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she hath rewarded you. Double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled uh, filled to her double, how much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously and so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judged her. This system is one that struggles to apologize. But God remembers her sins. She may not repent, but God will bring vengeance. When we come to the end of the chapter, we read in verse 21. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. A system with the, with the history that this system has is truly described as full of the blood of the saints and of the prophets. What place ever did any Bible-believing person have in joining with the government in such a way? There was no place. A true believer wrestles against principalities and powers. The truth of God's word is the truth of God's word as ever it was. It contains the words of eternal life. It contains great and precious promises. But those precious promises and those and the future promised in this word is one that will destroy such wicked systems from the earth.